0: Welcome to this episode of Net Zero Heating Show. There are multiple ways that heat pumps can be installed, but today we're going to take a closer look at designing a heat pump system with a low loss header. Our guests are Neil Sawyers, Commercial Technical Manager at Grant UK, and Jamie Vickers, who is Managing Director of LPS Renewables. Before we get started, let's learn a bit about both of them. Neil, please share your brief overview of your role here at Grant UK.
1: I ran my own installation heating company in Scotland. Um, I had branches in Glasgow and Edinburgh. Um, And I basically was offered a job by a competitor, as was in the day of Grant UK, called Bolter Boilers in Ipswich. And I started working in their technical help desk and worked my way up to R&D stroke technical manager uh, before the company was bought out by Bosch. Uh, in 2003, I think it was. Um, I worked in Germany for a couple of years and Holland, um, commuting backwards and forwards each week, and, uh, and really got fed up with it. And the managing director at Grant UK, Paul Wakefield, offered me a job here as technical manager, which I bit his hand off and came and worked for him and have been here now for the best part, well, since 2005. So how many years is that? Coming up,
0: 17 years. Perfect, Neil, thank you. Uh, Now, Jamie, can you tell us a little bit about your business and the products that you install?
2: So um, I've been in the gas industry for coming up to 25 years, um, predominantly installing gas boilers. Um, Over the last sort of five years, moved over into the renewable sector and installing air and ground source heat pumps. Um, we, We install solar thermal. We're looking at installing solar PV. Uh, having taken on an electrician. Um, we're getting more more and more inquiries for renewables, especially with the current day, uh, with the prices of gas going up. Um, and yeah, it's going from strength to strength.
0: Thanks very much, guys, for joining us today. Neil, we're going to start with you. If you can let the listeners know, what are the differences between traditional heat and installations and air source heat pump installations yeah good question okay so um we need to go back many many years
1: probably to the late 50s early 60s and the standard installation uh of a boiler where it was gas or oil would probably be a gravity fed hot water system with a pumped radiator circuit where the boiler would operate roughly at 80 degrees flow 70 degrees return and have a flue gas temperature in excess of 200 degrees c Moving into the 1980s, uh, late 80s into the early 90s, uh, condensing boilers started to appear, which saw the secondary unit made out of stainless steel or high grade aluminium being used as a condenser, where the flue gases were recirculated round and added to the return water coming back. In effect, that meant the flow temperature could be reduced to 70. And as long as the flow temp- the return temperature uh, didn't go much above 50 degrees, you would get some form of condensation in the flue. So the flue flow- gases ultimately went down to sub 80 degrees, so much, much cooler. But the efficiency of the boiler went up in leaps and bounds. So today, Grant UK have got condensing oil boilers that are around about 94% gross efficiency, which is fairly amazing compared to the 60-odd percent we were at in the 60s and 70s. The differences between a heating system for a fossil fuel boiler running at 70 degrees and and a heat pump is clearly the flow temperature. The vast majority of heat pumps available in the market today in the UK would operate at a maximum 60 degrees flow temperature. Um, There's always talk of uh, do, do my radiators need upsized? Does my pipe work need improved? um can you still operate on gravity systems we sometimes get asked um and, and clearly there are fairly restrained and confined areas that the installer has to focus on um, where they probably didn't need to before if you were changing a fossil fuel boiler for a fossil fuel boiler i'm not saying all installers do this before they start writing in to complain but a lot would look at what boiler was coming out and put the same size boiler back in They wouldn't take into account any home improvements, any insulation, any double glazing that had maybe been upgraded over the years. They probably didn't have as high a heat loss as they thought and didn't need as big a boiler. So we need to look at the heat loss. That's critically important. We need to look at the pipe size, because while a boiler today would work on a 20% differential between flow and return, a heat pump typ- typically operates between 5 and 10 degrees differential, which means we need to have an increased flow rate, which means we need bigger pipe work to carry the same volume of power, if all of that makes sense. So that there are clear differences between the two. Um, that's where I would leave it,
0: unless Jimmy wants to add anything to that. No, you pretty nailed it there, Neil. So, Jimmy, from uh, an installer's point of view, what are the key steps you take when designing a, a heat pump system?
2: Um, so the key steps are, are obviously uh, what Neil said, the uh, heat loss calculations. Um, so when we do the heat loss calculations, we go visit the property, we measure all the rooms, um, take details about the property, uh, we can either take that from the EPC or we actually take it while we're on the property because EPCs are 100% um, accurate, shall we say. Um, so then you look at the customer as well. We we see, does, does the customer want to be a bit warmer or a bit cooler? Um, because there's various temperatures that you can set the, the property at. So you, you tend to find... Depending on the area they live in, they might go out walking, so they prefer to be cooler. Um, If they're um, a foreign national, they might be more inclined to be a bit warmer in the property. Um, So we take all that into account and then decide on how warm we're going to make the property. Um, we work out the size of the radiators that, that need to be increased. We change nearly every radiator in the property um and then we go got a little discussion with the the customer um get what their requirements are uh if they use a lot of hot water if they've got kids um if you've got a four bedroom house and there's only two people living living in it uh you, you know you're going to put the cylinder in adequate for a four bedroom house and not adequate for two people because Either they're going to be um, having kids at a later stage or they may even have friends and family around at Christmas time. Um, There's loads of variables in it. I know um, British Standard sets out uh, a very basic uh, template on how to do the heat loss, but there's actually more into it than that. Um, There's no one property the same, there's no no family the same. You've got to take each job on its individual merits. In order to design something that is so specific to the um, to the house, um, so yeah, it, it, there's a lot that goes into it when we're designing the uh, the heating system for the people.
0: So basically, from from those two responses, it's not uh, a boiler out and a heat pump straight in. There's a lot of detail that has to go into sizing and a. And, and does uh, internal temperature make a difference to the size of the heat pump potentially?
2: You, you, the British standard is 19 degrees uh, a temperature of minus three outside. Um, your living room, uh, if it's minus three outside, your living room's at 19 degrees, generally speaking, that's not warm enough. You you have each room uh, at different temperatures in the house. So Your living room might want to be 21, 22 degrees. Um, your bedrooms might only need to be 18, 19 degrees and, and everything like that. So... Throughout the whole process of the heat loss calculations, you take all this into account. If you do the whole house at 19 degrees, you're going to get some rooms that are not going to achieve the, the higher temperatures that people may, may want or require. Um, because it's just not going to be strong enough to do that. Uh, and again, the pipe sizes is, is a key thing as well. Although we, we've sort of got a system that, that gets us around that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's definitely uh, something that needs looking at when you, you're sizing the system up.
0: That's actually quite a good link into the next question there, um, which is for Neil. Prior to the development of the Grant uh, system Volumizer low-loss header, you carried out a lot of research in the field. Can you please share some of the findings with the, with the listeners? Yeah, sure.
1: Um, the, the whole project of research came about because we... Had this time last year, so the middle of January in 2021, probably 40 hardcore problems coming back to Grant UK. Where exactly as Jamie said, the customers were feeling cold, they didn't feel the heat pump was man enough for the job, and it had one or two happened, you would go back to the heat loss calculations. You would start reviewing your own data and what you'd calculated. But the fact that we had 40 in a very short space of time, and, it, okay, you could say there was a beast from the east. It was, it was a fairly cold month. It was actually got worse over, uh, throughout February as well. Um, and what we did was we we set up data logging equipment at 15 of these properties um, and we started to monitor how the customer were, was using the system, how the customer was interacting with the system, and also had interviews with the customer to find out what their expectations were and how they had been sold the use of a heat pump in the first place. So it wasn't something we were ever going to do overnight. It was something that took several weeks to actually collect the data and, and then start to uh, extrapolate some information from it, and there was probably four key areas um, that started jumping out and saying you know these are these are contributing factors to the consumer feeling cold. One of them was actually fairly psychosomatic, and that is the customer had uh, recently changed over from a heat pump from uh, an oil boiler, and with the oil boiler, she was used to the radiators being very very hot with the new system, even with some of the radiators being upgraded but meeting the requirements of the low temperature unit, the fact the radiator wasn't hot, it was only warm, was in her head making her feel cold. And and that for me was more a, a not a sales issue, but more an information issue that for the installer to start passing that information onto the consumer that, you know, you're not going to be able to take a radiator and put your wet clothes over it and expect them to dry and expect the heat still to get beyond the clothes through that barrier into the room to heat the room up. Um, so that was, that was an important point. The, the second important point, which I was talking about right at the top, was the difference in pipe sizes. Um, and a lot of the, the systems that went into retrofit Um, which was, up until recently, the majority of the grant market in the retrofit area. Uh, The the pipe size, while it was correct leaving the heat pump, as per the installation manual, it was being tacked on to existing pipework which was, while suitable for a 20-degree differential at a 70-degree flow, was too small for a 45-degree flow with a 5-degree differential. And we weren't getting the power through to where it needed to be at the time it needed to be there. Um, So if we needed a radiator to have a mean water temperature of 40 degrees, it was only seeing 30 degrees. And as the ambient temperature got colder, then the heat emitter struggled to actually give out the heat that was required into the room to overcome the heat loss. The other things that came out were the actual settings for domestic hot water and space heating. Now, we've always said in the installation manual that they should always be separate and you should never clash because the hot water leaving the heat pump to satisfy a domestic hot water cylinder um, will be leaving the heat pump at 60 degrees, therefore you don't want that rattling around your heating system. You want it dedicated only for your hot water circuit. And vice versa, if you had your hot your space heating on and you needed 45 degrees flow you didn't want 45 degrees trying to satisfy a 50 degree temperature inside your hot water cylinder so they had to be separate and what we saw was that uh, the the in the, the majority of of case examples that we were we were measuring where hot water wasn't being timed at all and it was purely a boiler a cylinder thermostat that was switching the heat pump over from space heating to hot water so every time someone run a tap depending on the position of the the sensor of of the the hot water cylinder a reasonable draw off could cause the space heating to shut down and move across to uh domestic hot water if you had high usage hot water so maybe you've got two or three in the family that had back-to-back showers it could be off for three three hours which means you've got three hours worth of space heating loss for the same size heat pump to overcome, and that was being flagged up as being a potential uh, issue. So, so looking at how we control both domestic hot water and space heating times. Um, the other one, the final one, was the addition of auxiliary pumps uh, upstream of the heat pump, but on the same direct primary index circuit as the heat pump was already pumping, which was destroying any temperature balance and any flow rate balance at the heat pump because we could have been adding 20 30 40 litres a minute on top of what the pump was in the heat pump was already producing so those four areas i think that's right i have counted four out there it is four yeah (laughs) those were the main criteria that we saw were happening repeatedly in all the data logging exercises we undertook
0: perfect so once you had all this data How did you then feed that back into product development? I spoke to installers.
1: Um, There is an argument that says I didn't speak to as many installers as perhaps I should have. Um, And and I would want to say before we start talking about the low loss header, we do appreciate as a company there are other ways of doing this. We know there's a lot of installers who uh, prefer a larger buffer, maybe 150, 200 liter buffer or thermal store. There are some that like the smaller volumizers, like the, the vo- external volumizer that we do for our heat pumps. Um, but there are a lot that actually agree with the direction that Grant now wants to take to look at the larger uh, uptake of heat pump market um, uh, with the, the design of a low loss header. Now, I'm now going to eat my words and go back the way again. Technically, It could be argued it is not a true low loss header because a low loss header would normally be no more than three pipe diameters in in its own diameter, no more than three pipe sizes of the main primary index circuit feeding it. Now, if we were on inch pipe, which we are, let's say, in the 17 kilowatt heat pump, we would normally have a three inch low loss header. It'd be three pipe diameter sizes. We're a bit larger than that. We're roughly about 150 mils square in a box section. And the reason for that was, one, to accommodate the three kilowatt immersion element that it also includes. But more importantly, is where you do have a differential of, uh, or a difference of differentials. So on the heat pump side, if we wanted to maintain a five degree differential, and on the system side, wanted to extend that out to maybe 12, 13, 14 uh, Litres a minute, or sorry, to 13, 14 uh, degrees delta T, we would be able to get more power through the same size of the existing pipework that's there. So, this is where we start getting into some nitty gritty of it. The bigger the difference in differentials, so 5 degrees in one site, 20 degrees in another, which I've seen happen, that would create a lot of turbulence inside the low loss header. So to minimise that, we have made the actual volume, which is about half, 12 litres, a nominal volume. We have kept that as big as possible so that we have something for the heat pump to modulate against. But more importantly, we can reduce the amount of turbulence should we have larger differentials in the system side. We carried out testing in the marketplace and especially on the 15 problem sites that we had last year and we fitted low-loss headers and with the exception of one, which was the customer's perception of cool radiators, which apart from re-educating, there's little we could do physically for that, for, for that customer. But we overcame every issue with uh, cool rooms or the, the inability of the heat pump to keep up with the demand as the ambient temperature got colder.
0: Perfect, very comprehensive as always, Neil. Thank you. And um, Jeremy, just to bring it back a little bit, um, to an installer's perspective are there any common areas um, that can be made with a heat pump installations that can be easily avoided so any sort of common errors that can be easily avoided when you're looking at heat pumps have you come across many or
2: i, I think the the biggest area uh, that is the most common error uh, would be the heat loss calculations um you, you have um an old generation of plumbers installing the heat pumps and and their uh, social housing that think it's okay just to take a boiler out and put the heat pump onto the existing system that causes no end of of problems we've just done two for leeds council we insisted that grants went in so we regent all the system one of them needed a new cylinder because it was just a standard cylinder in there um it, it's just simple things like that it a lot of installers think they can just take a boiler out and put a heat pump in. Uh, and it's not, not as simple as that, not, not buying a stretch. Um, it's almost like we'll put the biggest heat pump in and that'll do the job no matter what. They're not looking at flow rates. They're not looking at, at, at anything other than, um, being able to just sell a heat pump. Um, I think this is where manufacturers need to sort of get a grip of of these sort of installers and uh, make sure that they're getting the heat pumps if they've done the correct training for it. I think that will solve a lot of problems heat pump come come across um, with all bad publicity and, and things like that. The The matter of the fact is the heat pumps work. There's a lot of press out there saying they don't work. Um, they do, as long as they're installed correctly, uh, and... The longevity of them as well. If you've got a heat pump that's not installed properly, it's cycling and then you are going to get, um, uh, knackered compressors and, and things like that. So it reduces the lifespan of them. Uh, I think we're expecting a lifespan of 25 years for a heat pump. Uh, as long as it's installed correctly, there should be no reason for that not to, uh, not to be an issue. Um, but yeah, it's, it's generally that. And obviously system cleanliness. Um, you know, it's, you take an old boiler out. If it's, um, open vented boiler, you put a heat pump on it. It does not take much to block a plate heat exchange up on there. So yeah. yeah, most of the errors are install errors and design errors. There's not very many errors from manufacturers that we've come across. So yeah, that's, that's where we're at with that.
0: As a manufacturer, that's quite nice to hear, but obviously, we, we're the ones with the name on the front of the unit, which is, typically you get the phone calls first. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- this is why I, I
2: made a point of saying it's down to manufacturers to sell the heat pumps to the, the engineers that are capable of doing it. Um, it. It's like Gas Safe tried making it so you couldn't buy a boiler unless you were showing your Gas Safe registration card. It needs to be something like that. It's got to be policed because. They're expensive systems to install. They're expensive systems to buy, and um, you don't want bad press for that. It's it's got to be positive, and the only people that can create that sort of environment are the manufacturers.
1: I think it's it's a valid point, Jamie. I in the in the service department here, we get we get lots of calls, and they're about you know, all the products that we sell, whether it's cylinders, solar thermal, heat pumps, boilers. And when it does come down to a heat pump boiler and it's, you know, the heat pump's not heating my house or it was minus four last night and and it was cold um, or or the unit's continually defrosting, you know, once an hour, once every hour and a half or whatever. Um, It's difficult, you know, looking at it it, from the consumer's perspective, I have every empathy with them because they want a resolution to it um, and they weren't the expert that put it in. Um, and we need to talk to the expert that put it in. Uh, but also we need to have an understanding of the system. So like you said before, every single system is different and you take everyone in its own merit and everyone needs its own heat loss calculation done and making sure the emitters can be rightly sized. But you then scale that up to what the government's expectations are by 2028 so we're then looking if we take the new build market out and just look at the retrofit market it's something between 300 and 400,000 heat pumps to be installed every year from 2028 onwards you know if 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 grant uk got let's say i don't know 10% of that market we're selling 40,000 heat pumps into the retrofit market every single one of those 40,000 could end up with a phone call into grant uk saying when it's minus four outside i need you know i need more heat and we would need to understand which is probably coming up for the next question i think i can see kevin smiling there but if if you think if we don't know how the primary pipe work meets the existing pipe work and the work that went on behind the scenes to ensure that radiators were correctly sized, to make sure that the radiator system or the underflow heating system was correctly balanced to give you the right delta T. Right. So you had the right change. flow rates. We're not hiding nothing, right. because we would just be continually sharing information backwards and forwards with each individual customer, trying to get our head around how it was actually fitted. From from my case, if if you know if we look at the 8020 rule, what would be perfect? for any manufacturer, and I don't just mean Grant UK, is if we had a defined way of installing a system such that all the installers did it that way, then every time a consumer phoned up or an engineer installer phoned up and said, I've got a question about this one that I did for Mrs. Megan's pie shop, then we would know exactly how that was installed. We would be able to look at it and actually drill into the detail and be able to offer a fast turnaround of advice where at the moment it would be held up even, even in the numbers that you know, are being installed in the UK today um, because we just don't know that every installer seems to have their own way of installing and, and, and they don't want to move from that and that's fine there's more than one way to skin a cat as they say but there needs to be some commonality to actually allow this industry to upskill and upsell the heat pumps into these properties and, and that's where i see the issue being
2: well i think if if you look at our heating systems installed so you've got an s plan you've got a y plan everyone knows what they are if if there were a system developed so a, a heat pump was installed on a, a low loss header, or if it was installed with a volumizer um, I think if the schematics was the same across the industry. So if MTS turn around and say, right, this is, it's got to be installed either like this or like this. The manufacturers would agree with that as well. And then it's a case of it's like the S or Y plan. If I say S plan to you or Y plan, you know what one of those is. If they install on the Lolo said there and they can call it something else. you know what I mean? across the industry. It's, it's the same install, so you know what you, you, you're you installing up. If someone mentions a certain name of an install, then they, you're going to understand how it's been installed.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and I think what's important there is that Grant are not saying this is the only way. What's important no, no. is Grant, Grant are saying there are more ways to do it, but based on the number of installs that we've had hands-on experience with, the low-loss header solution has resolved it end of story so if it's a simple install which which for the installer is good news if there is less equipment in the house then that's better news for the for the end user and as long as it's controllable and it delivers the level of comfort and it delivers the right seop that the customer is expecting at the end of the day then it's a win-win
0: Grant System Volumizer and Low Loss Header is available to order on its own or as part of a heat pump installation pack. Speak to your local Grant UK sales representative, contact your local merchant, or head over to Grantuk.com forward slash professional forward slash products to learn more. Jamie, you've been fitting low losses for a while now, haven't you? With your so, so you're gonna you're gonna be quite on board with the new. Grant, Lolo's header system and the way it's been designed?
2: Yeah, well, there's a number of reasons. Um, So we we come across customers that say, yeah, I don't want this radiator changing. I've got this fancy new radiator here and um, I want to keep it. Despite the number of times you turn around to them and say, yeah, it's not going to work. You're not going to get enough heat into this room because your fancy radiator is too fancy. It's not big enough. If you need something like that, you've got to take a whole, whole wall up. Um So when we install it on the low-loss header, we can actually prove to that customer that wants to keep his fancy radiator that the heat pump is working, the heat pump's doing what it's doing, and the reason why that particular room is cold is right back to the start. So when we come to design the system and we're telling the customer that that radiator is not going to work, it needs changing, and they're disagreeing with that, then it's proof to them that, yeah, it's not going to work. Um, and, and as a man, from a manufacturer's point of view, if they're all installed in low loss headers, then, you know, you can prove the heat pump works. It's then down onto the system design, which is going back to your installer. Have there you done the calculations properly and everything else? Because it's relatively easy to prove that the system works as long as you've got your flow rates and your temperatures that you need. If you've got that going around your low loss header, but it's not going through into the house, then obviously the system. That's in the house as a false.
0: So uh, as an installer that's been fitting low-loss headers for, for a while, is is that kind of uh, a fail-safe for you guys in a way or or some way that you can... Obviously, you've just said that it proves to to the homeowner that you were right and radiators needed to be up, upgraded. So it, it gives you a little bit of peace of mind as well that you know that you've yeah, got that. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. It, it, it works because... I mean, even the TRVs, when they're turned up and down or on and off, that, that can affect your flow rates around your heat pump, um, your low loss header, um, putting that in place. It doesn't matter what they're doing with the radiators. Uh, ultimately, you, you're getting your heat from your heat pump. Um, and, and that can then dis- be distributed to whatever radiators is, is needed at. Um, we started installing them because, uh, we found, um, it were really hard to, to balance retrofitting. It were really hard to find a, a, a balance, um, through the radiators without putting flow meters on all the radiators, which why are you going to do that? Putting flow meters on all the radiators, uh, uh, uh we were going around measuring the differentials between the flow and return on the radiators to make sure that they were balanced correctly. That took an edge to do that now we save a lot of time putting all of headers on because it eliminates all that potential uh, issue.
1: I think that's a really important point, Jamie. I mean, I did a five-packet calculation of, a few months ago now of, again, I was looking at this three to four hundred thousand heat pumps to be installed by 2028. And I started looking at, well, what houses are going to throw up the most opportunities for, for Grant as a manufacturer? Um, and I was looking at the recent New builds, so maybe from two thousand. Let's say let's say this century, so that's twenty one years where the majority of uh, builders, uh, development companies, have been using twenty two mil primaries with ten mil drop feed. That's behind a dot and dab plasterboard. That has that has been particularly in England and, and Wales. That's been predominantly the infrastructure behind the heating system. Now, I've just pulled up the heating design guide um, published by uh, CIPHE and SIPSE. Um, and, and I, I will just quote a couple of numbers to you. So if, if you've got 10 mil pipe coming off a 22 mil pipe to feed a radiator or radiators in a particular room, doesn't matter what room it is. If I was using a gas or an oil boiler at a 20 degree differential, I could get 4.3 kilowatts down the 10 millimeter pipe with a 20-degree differential between flow and return. With a 7-degree, it doesn't go down as low as 5, but you can assume the figure's lower, but for a 7-degree differential between flow and return, I can only get 1.5 kilowatts down the same pipe to the same radiator. So heat pumps do not operate at a 20-degree differential. They operate at much, much smaller, somewhere between 5 and 10. But if you're going to restrict, probably it looks like one third of the original output value, then really we're on a hiding to nothing anyway. So if the if the heat loss of that room was greater than one point three kilowatts, you need another set of pipes and you need another radiator. Um, and and it's getting that point across at design stage, not after the event when the heat pump's fitted and the customers complaining of being cold. So. Using the low loss header, then that you've been using, Jamie, is that you can increase that differential on the system side, and maintain the five degrees at the heat pump, and you can
0: get more power down the pipe. So that is my next question, Neil, which you've just preempted yet again. Um, It's fine. I I like the discussion, and and as I said, two technical people on this call today, so I'm just going to shut up. I think. Um, But what? So what are the benefits that the low loss header can bring to installations? It, it, it provides a neutral point let me put my book away now. it provides a neutral point um,
1: for the heat pump to have an open so su- an open loop so it's got an open circuit no restrictions whatever comes out of the heat pump goes back to the heat pump the heat pump itself's got its own e- areas of pressure drop it's got a large plate heat exchanger in it where the pressure drop could be anything up to a bar and that's huge um the grant heat pump the aurona 3r32 range has its own integral pump um, and it's it's designed to overcome that, that thermal uh, that thermal that pressure drop um, hydraulic pressure drop That said we've then got a remainder of an open circuit and it goes passes through whether it's the left or the right-hand side You'll always go into the same side top and bottom as far away from each other as possible And we can then balance the heat pump to produce what it needs to produce design conditions well weather compensation enabled Whatever it needs at minus three when it gets to minus four, minus five, minus six, though, the heat pump will not have been designed down to that condition unless you're living in the very north of Scotland. And I think the worst design that I've ever calculated for was for minus seven. If it gets beyond that, though, the heat pump will eventually run out of steam and will start to flatline. So you won't have any hotter water coming through, even though the heat emitters in the house need hotter water to overcome a larger uh, heat loss. So we've got three kilowatt backup immersion there that in those cases where we're outside the design conditions and the customer needs that little bit more power on the for the few hours that it does get down to those extremities, which we, we saw in 2010, we saw with the Beast of the East last year. We have a few days where it does get very cold. It takes us outside the design envelope that that any installer would have calculated to in the first place. Um, And and it gives it that support. So we've got an open circuit uh, in the low-loss header for the heat pump. We can maintain a differential at the heat pump. We can maintain a different differential in the system, depending on the pipe sizes that are employed. And we've got a three kilowatt backup
0: um, if and when it's needed. Maybe a question for Jamie, where would a low-loss header sit within within the market? Do you see it as just a retrofit refurb or would it be a, a new build solution as well where you can actually go in and set your own pipe sizes up and know that the that the system should run as it should do?
2: Yeah, you see, the, the thing is with that, um, going back to the new builds with the micro-bore piping, um, builders uh, are wanting to do new builds as cheap as possible. Um, I can't see them unless they're only the building one or two houses maybe, maybe not a full estate. I can't see them wanting to pay out for running your 20 or 35 mil pipe around the house and, uh, and, and doing all that sort of expense because cost of materials are going up as well. So, you know, I can't see any reason why it, it shouldn't be included in all installations. Um, because it's going back to what we were saying before. If you have, uh, a schematic that's called X and a schematic called Y, you've got a low loss header on one a volumizer on the other. If they're all done to the same spec and, and design, then you go to it later on down the line, like you would do an S or a Y plan and you know, you know, pretty much where you are, where you are with, with fault finding and, uh, and things like that. It's when they start mixing everything up, it's going to become really hard for, for the installers when they when, uh, for the manufacturers when you get people ringing up complaining about certain things. Um, but yeah, I, I think they should all be on low loss headers. Um, they work really well for us. Uh, there isn't one that hasn't, you know, where I thought, uh, there's various other things that I'm, I'm trying out at the
0: minute as well. So, to my takeaway from a lot of your comments. Uh, being the sales manager for Grant UK, is that everybody needs to fit a Grant heat pump with the Grant low-loss header. Yes. And then heat pump industry will be a better place, right? It is one way to create a solution. Um, I know installers
1: um, who would want to use a thermal store. I mentioned that earlier. Um, I I don't have any issue against that. Um, I would argue that you might be wasting energy trying to reheat a thermal store should the ambient temperature change and it's at a different part of the weather comp curve um, it swings in roundabouts you might be waiting for it to cool down to use it you, might, you know but in, in a case like that I would always want to use the thermal store as a battery and then weather compensate from there uh, so use a f- flat temperature from the heat pump to heat the store and then weather comp beyond that um, that's a completely different schematics, a completely different setup, but there's no reason why that wouldn't work just as well because the heat pump would then have an open circuit. It can still maintain its five degree delta T where it wants to be, and you can have any delta T in the system. And because you've got a much bigger volume, there would be less turbulence going on in there, so less likely to mix a cooler return into a hotter flow. We know of installers who like using plate heat exchangers. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, from a capital cost point of view, they may see that. The fact they need an additional sealed system kit uh, and an an additional PRV and discharge pipe on the heat pump as well as a system side, Um, they may see that that is being beneficial. I I rule nothing out. Um, Heat pumps, they're not new but the uptake means a lot of new entrants are going to be coming in and are going to be faced with these challenges. Do I use a low-loss header? Do I use a plate? Do I use a thermal store? Do I use a large volumizer? What do I do? And every manufacturer will have a preferred way, um, but every installer that actually comes on board will try something, and if it works for them, they'll stick with it. The low-loss header, I'm not saying is a guaranteed way, but it's the best chance of getting a high number of new entrants into the industry actually installing quality systems first time and not going through the painful uh, learning curve that a lot of our predecessors have had to go
0: through. I think for me, um, obviously being in sales as well, I think um, and for an installer like yourself, Jamie, as well, I think it gives you that, that peace of mind. If you can turn off the system side of the low loss header, and then you know that that heat pump can deliver what it says it's going to deliver. Then you're almost you're, you're working forward. You've also you've eliminated the fact that it's not the heat pump, which a lot of people straight away point to. And then you know that it, there's either there's going to be a system issue or a customer issue, um, which it, it's fifty fifty some of the times. So
2: yeah, so yeah, it, it's that moving move to the uh, um thermal stores we we would normally put a thermal store in a, a larger property a farmhouse or something along that you know it they work really well as well um you, you know lolo said there isn't the the be all and end all it, again you're looking at each individual property on its own merits and uh so yeah thermal stores are used as well um it's just how it is with whatever property you're working on, I guess.
0: Good. Can I just have a, a little summarise then from, from both of you guys? Um, so, Neil, we'll start with you just around the low loss header and where you see the, 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 its places in the market. Um, and where, does it have a best place in the market, or is it just like Damien's just said, each individual install should be placed on its merits? I think it is in each individual install.
1: I think with the, the capacity we have in the grant low-loss header slash volumizer is it will probably cope with larger systems than normally would be expected. Um, I know I've put a nominal 70 kilowatt round it, but it's 70 kilowatts at 10 degrees differential, where the majority of low-loss headers are measured at a 20-degree differential. So let's compare Apple to apples with apples. Um, I think if developers want to continue on the race to the bottom to build the houses as cheaply as possible um, and they want to continue using 22 millimeter primaries with 10 mil drop feeds, I can't see how they're going to run 28 or 35 mil primaries with 15 mil and still get the 15 mil behind the plasterboard. So the whole price of the house is going to have to go up or we fit a low-loss header and it allows us to overcome any pressure drops through the 10 mil pipe by having a wider differential. It all comes back to flow rates and differentials in my head. Um, And if we can get those two things right, then provided the heat loss and the heat emitter sizing were accurate in the first place, no one will have an issue.
0: And and Jamie, just touch again on the key things about fitting an air source heat pump that you you come across. Obviously, you said design is is paramount. Is there anything else that you you feel needs to be... D- d- at the forefront of
2: everything. Yeah, you, you, you. Um, the design of it. You, you've got to look at the area you're fitting it. Um, whether you're in an open area or enclosed. We've come across and um, we've actually been cut out a couple of times um, for um, conservation areas. Um, we've we've not been aware it's been in a conservation area until right at the last minute. Luckily, before we installed the bump. Um, you know, we, we we were told by the customer, um, and and yeah, it's just listen to the customer, listen to the customer and see what they want, and and don't just assume a nineteen degree living room will satisfy them uh at minus three. Um, one thing we have noticed certainly over um back in the last year, this year, um, up in Leeds we've experienced minus eight. Um, that's colder than Scotland, I think. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and some of the heat pumps we've got out there, they've, they've struggled. Um, they, they was actually giving 19 degrees into the living room, whereas at minus three, they'll put you 21 degrees in the living room. Um, so it wasn't too much of an issue. And it is only sort of two, maybe three weeks out of the year that you, you may come across that. But if we'd have designed it to a 19 degree, um temperature at minus three they wouldn't have got to to them temperatures anyway they they'd be looking at around sixteen degrees in the house um so it's just taking up them them little colder days out there and uh and we try to design everything at forty five degrees so we try to make sure there's a little bit room to turn it up if we need to um you, you only get five degrees to play with, but that five degrees can make a hell of a difference. So um yeah, it's it doesn't have to be as tight as what, what they're making out it should be.
0: Thank you very much. Um just to summarise then the, the Grant Low loss header stroke volumizer does have a big part to play in a lot of the future systems. Um we understand that there is a lot of different ways to skin a cat effectively. Um, But yeah, I think with the low-loss header, it gets away uh, or gets you over certain complications, potentially with system design, um, but also gives you the peace of mind that you can go and prove that what you've done is working as well. So um, yeah, it does does sound sound, what sounds to me like a very good way forward anyway, so. Certainly for the retrofit market, it is. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Thank you both for taking part I appreciate you taking the time out today Um, been very interesting to hear both opinions from uh, a very good technical manager that I have and you Jamie very high end quality installer you can stay up to date with all our latest news and product updates by joining Grant UK's mailing list just follow the subscribe link in this episode's bio We hope you have enjoyed this episode from the Net Zero Heating Show. Please subscribe to listen to more episodes and spread the word by sharing the podcast too.